0: Clap, clap, wiggle your hips, just like that.
1: Hello, and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds, by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza, and again, this is the uh, podcast where we talk about movies that are uh, perhaps a little underloved or uh, underrated out there, and boy, do we have a fun one for you guys today. I would say this is arguably the only Tom Hanks movie that features a full-on bestiality scene, which... (laughs) High praise indeed. And and there's my guest. You'll hear him laughing in the background, and I will introduce him uh, right away here. Uh, let's see. This is my friend uh, Michael McCuller. He's a writer, a uh, movie fan, big, big fan of this movie we're going to be talking about today to the point that he specifically signed up for my Patreon account just so he would be the first one with a crack at Bachelor Party. So uh, welcome, Michael, to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, Michael and I go way back. We used to write for the same pop culture website way back in the uh, early 2000s, although our paths never crossed at the same time. We've known each other forever, and this is the first time we've ever spoken. But, again, I have to say, he specifically sought me out when he heard I was doing this movie podcast, and he said, Bachelor Party, that's mine, give me Bachelor Party. So, Michael, give me a little history of who you are and why you're a fan of Bachelor Party. How did you get involved with this movie?
0: Well, uh... I have the distinct memory of me and my best friend and my little brother, who at the time was on crutches with a broken leg, sneaking in to see Bachelor Party. We paid for one movie and then snuck in to see this movie. And this was, you know, after Splash and back before Tom Hanks was, you know, our generation's Jamie Stewart, back when he was just this goofy tall kid who, you know, really was great at making you laugh at stuff that you really shouldn't be laughing at. He had abilities to really elevate some really bad product. I mean, I can't imagine if this movie had starred anybody else, we'd even be talking about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing. You mentioned sneaking into the movie. This is going to be, uh, I think, a popular part of the uh, episode here. How old were you when you snuck into Bachelor Party? I was not quite 12.
0: I think I was 11 when this came out. (laughs)
1: Yeah, this is, again, I've gone over in this podcast before how my parents wouldn't let me watch R-rated movies. Anything that was remotely sexual or dirty was not going to see the light in the Lanza house. Bachelor Party was so far removed from anything I ever would have been able to see, and I just, it makes me laugh that a 12-year-old was in there watching
0: this movie. I mean, this was the era of, of Porky's Revenge of the Nerds. You know, uh, private school, all of these movies that me and my buddies would just constantly, whatever the, the PG movie that was out that week, pay for that ticket, go into that movie. One of us would then go back to the door and scout, and when the hallway was clear, we'd all bum rush and go see the latest R rated raunchy comedy.
1: <laughs> yes. Again, these are great times. These are, you'll hear. People who grew up in the 80s talking about stories like this. Yeah, this is a very common thing. The pay for the PG movie, sneak into the R-rated movie. Again, I never did it because I was such a square kid, but more kids were like you. They wanted to go see the boobs, the uh, sex jokes, the donkeys getting high on cocaine. And Bachelor Party, I'm sure, met your every expectation.
0: Oh, and then some. I mean, this is, without a doubt to me, the pinnacle of the 80s raunch comedy. I think it's... Far and away, my favorite. Yeah, and okay, we'll get into the Tom Hanks here in, this
1: thing in a thing in a minute here, but uh, yeah, there's one thing I like talking about when I talk about 80s movies, and that nowadays we I mean we recorded this in the 2000s, 2010s when they do a comedy, it's really more of a romantic comedy because they want it to appeal to everybody, and that's kind of the way studios are very safe nowadays. Right. In the 80s, maybe not so much. The 80s would just full on. I mean, there was some that were more like a lot of the comedies and the dramas were more like dramas that we're, we're kind of comedic. But Bachelor Party goes full-on comedy. Like, it's unashamed of what it is. It feels no guilt about it. It's unabashed. It's just, we're here to do, it's just a big, raunchy, drunk orgy, and we have no shame in it whatsoever. We're just going to make you laugh, and there's no pretense to this movie whatsoever.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's something that's kind of missing from today's movies. You want to call it political correctness or whatever, but it feels like movies today there's an apologetic tone to it you know well we're gonna we're gonna show you this and we know it's wrong and so somewhere in there we're gonna insert it's wrong whereas in the 80s and the 70s it was this is wrong and you know it's wrong because you paid money to go see it so there's no point in us even apologizing for
1: it yeah absolutely it's like this is wrong and you know what we're gonna double down and go even more wrong in the next scene how do you like that
0: exactly <laughs>
1: Okay, Bachelor Party for uh, people who do not know it. Again, we have a young, kind of a younger demographic, and I've heard a lot of people don't know this movie. And the one thing I want to bring up is that Tom Hanks, of course, and you mentioned it earlier, the, the voice of a generation. He's America's dad, the most beloved, respected actor in Hollywood. He can do no wrong. But he had an era before that. It's one of those things that a lot of people tend to forget about when he wasn't always doing
0: dramas. When he when he started doing dramas, it was shocking. Yeah. It was when if when you told when I first heard and I think with Tom Hanks there's a even though it's it is a comedy, I think you can break his his career up into pre big and post big. Yes. And I think big, even though it's a comedy, even though it's hilarious, that's where he started doing more adult things. I think right after that, he did that movie. I think the first drama he really did was, um, nothing in common with Jackie Gleason. Yes. And which really wasn't a good movie, but it was his first step out towards that. And I, it, it was just a, uh, a, a completely different era. It's the, the closest that I can even make the comparison to in terms of actors is the way this generation views ice cube Hmm. in terms of in our generation ice cube was the most dangerous man on the planet. And as somebody once said, now he's the guy that does family movies. Hmm.
1: That is indeed the first time I've ever heard Tom Hanks compared to ice cube, but that's actually a very good (laughs) comparison. Nice work. Thank you. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, for those who didn't grow up in the eighties, Tom Hanks was not always a dramatic movie star. He was not even a movie star. He was a TV star. And this is back in an era when TV stars didn't necessarily cross over and make movies. They were not usually successful. So Tom Hanks started on a TV show called Bosom Buddies. And then he was in a movie called Splash in, I think, 1983 or so. And Splash was a pretty big hit. And it was one of those things like, huh, well, I guess this guy could actually do a movie. And then Bachelor Party is the next movie he did after uh, Splash. And it's funny, I'm reading these reviews of Bachelor Party, and there's one phrase that just jumped out at me where one critic said, you know, this guy's actually fairly talented. If you harness his energy, he actually might be able to do a dramatic scene once in a while, which is (laughs) hilarious when you think of Tom Hanks later. But yeah, that's the thing. He was a very funny TV actor, and there's one thing that stands out to Tom Hanks these early years when I look at his stuff now, and it just jumps out at you, is how charismatic he was, how likable he was, how fun, funny. Just, You just wanted to hang out with this guy. And again, that's going to go a long way towards why Bachelor Party is so well-received, why people think of it fondly, because all the raunch, all the sex, all the sleaze, you have this very, very likable guy at the heart of it that kind of
0: grounds it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's... He's... The type of person in these movies, and especially in this movie, that can really unite a group of people that, quite honestly, when you look at his group of friends in this movie, none of them should ever be hanging out together. You can tell he is the epicenter. He's the connection to all of these different people, and he's the reason they can all hang out and have fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he is basically the type of guy that's like, I'm not going to take any of this seriously. You know, I just want to have a good time. And more importantly, I want you guys to have a good time. And that quality carries over uh, through the screen into the audience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, again, it's a
1: very sweet center of this movie. And it's all 100% Tom Hanks. He's, like, you could say how much of an MVP he is in every movie he does. This one, he elevates it so high above where it should be. And it's just one of those things. And I know later Michael mentioned it earlier that, uh, Later, he did Big, and, like, people were astounded. Like, wow, Tom Hanks is a dramatic actor. I cannot believe this guy who's made 20 goofy comedies up to this point could do drama scenes. But you can kind of see it starting in this movie. And I would argue, I mean, I know Tom Hanks had a lot of movies that were successful before Big. I would argue Bachelor Party, without question, the funniest, and I think it's his best. It's really the one that always jumps out at me Is I really wish more people remembered Tom Hanks at this stage, because this is really a fun, likable charismatic
0: actor absolutely absolutely, and like i say it's it's he in this movie if if it had been anybody else, it would have been really a lot harsher, a lot uglier, and a lot meaner, mm-hmm. and he injects that sweetness into it that really makes you i mean everything he does in this movie is an attempt to make you like everybody else around it, to make make you have fun with, with quite frankly, are a lot of insane s- scenarios that are happening in this film. I mean, and, you know, we'll obviously get into a lot of the scenes later, but could you imagine in another movie with somebody else other than Tom Hanks? Yeah, it's how very- the... um how the Nick the Dick scene would have
1: come <laughs> Yeah, It's funny you say that because there's a an interesting point I kind of noticed when I was watching it, that there's really only two other actors that I think could have pulled off this movie and done it justice that had that same level of I'm smarmy, I'm a smart aleck, I'm sweet, but I'm also really funny. Like it all it kind of works. And there's the one that really jumps to my mind is Bill Murray. Is that Bill Murray kind of invented an archetype of character, kind of the jackass, smarmy, smart ass, who's, really sweet and likable, but still funny. And he kind of did it in Meatballs and Stripes and stuff like that. And then right. Tom Hanks, you'd almost would argue, was kind of like a Bill Murray light. But the other one is that Michael Keaton. That's the, who I was thinking. Yeah, Michael Keaton at this at this stage in his career, and a lot of people would not maybe not know this if you didn't grow up in the 80s, but Tom Hanks and Michael Keaton were always up for the same roles, up until Big. Big was when Tom Hanks kind of separated himself, but it was always Michael Keaton or Tom Hanks. Michael Keaton or Tom Hanks. They did the same types of movies, same types of characters, so I could see Murray Hanks Keaton they all kind of invented this weird archetype of of lovable little jackass and really that's those are the only two I could think of although I remember reading that uh Hanks wasn't even the original first choice for this movie they originally had cast Paul Reiser as the uh lead in bachelor party uh,
0: I don't think that it works at all No it doesn't
1: it's terrible <laughs> All right so uh let's see uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention before we get into the movie is there's a uh, Again, this came out in 1984. It was written by the guys who made Police Academy, and it's very similar in style, tone, even some of the music's the same. But there's two movies this really draws on that were that inspired Bachelor Party. The first is Animal House, if, if people know that one, in 1978, I believe. Just big, drunken orgy. I mean, just fun, frat party fun. And then the other movie that kind of uh, inspired it is Caddyshack a little bit and that's something that people may not remember about bachelor party there's a whole undercurrent here of the snobby rich people against the everyday oh, yeah. underclass and that was absolutely. a big trope yeah big trope in comedy at that time that the rich people are always the bad guys the everyman was always the good guys and that's a very very prominent in this movie that tom hanks is just the everyman uh, railing against this pretentious upper class society
0: yes absolutely i mean it's it's shocking to everyone including his friends and her friends, that these two are getting married because they're from such different sides of the track. And part of the greatness of the movie is the escalating attempts that her family and her ex try to go through to get them to break up. You know, we'll get into that later. But, I mean, you know, you can't even talk about appreciating bachelor party without talking about Cole, who absolutely deserves his place on the mount rushmore of <laughs> 80s asshole villains <laughs> yes
1: absolutely fits right in there again with the cobra kais the rich guys and caddyshack it's again it would be interesting to do a whole show on this why in the 80s the rich people were always the bad guys and then lady later like the normal kids were always the rich people it's kind of weird how it switches but anyway Let's go into Bachelor Party. Are you all ready to delve into the debauchery here of this uh, Bacchanalian fest?
0: I absolutely am.
1: Okay. Now, it's kind of silly to talk about explaining the plot of Bachelor Party, but we will do a <laughs> cursory <laughs> overview here. Basically, there's Tom Hanks just plays an every everyday guy named Rick Gasco, and he, uh, I don't even know what he does for a living. He's like a, he's a school bus driver part-time. He... Does welding. I'm not sure. They never explain what he does. But it's one of those things that always makes me laugh in this movie. And it's one of these things I like in 80s comedies when a character drives an unusual vehicle. And that becomes their everyday vehicle they just drive around in. Right. And it's one of the things that Tom Hanks drives a school bus. And that's his everyday vehicle. You'll see it several times in the movie. And I will say it reminds me of Jim Carrey in Once Bitten, who drives an ice cream truck, which is the other one that always makes me laugh. So anyway, there's Rick. And he's got a girlfriend, Debbie. Played by Tawny Catane. And uh, why don't you fill us in on Tawny Catane's history? What is she best known for, Michael?
0: She is best known for two things. Number one, she was briefly married to David Coverdale, lead singer of White Snake. And so if you've ever seen a 1980s White Snake music video, that's her having sex with David Coverdale's car. Mm-hmm. And she is also a little more infamous for having been. Uh how best to put it. Uh she for a while dated O. J. Simpson while he was still married to Nicole mm-hmm. and is in some ways kind of intertwined in the whole mess of of Nicole Brown Simpson and uh uh her death and you know is there's plenty of different, you know, uh, 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 I can't even think of the phrase. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of different stories out there to go into, but she had some very vivid tales about her time with O.J., uh, and at least she was the cause, proximate cause of at least one incident between O.J. and Nicole where the cops had to be called out. So yes. those are the two things she is best known for.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. Suffice it to say, we'll just summarize it and say Tawny Cattain is not really known for a lead actress in mainstream movies. She's known for more infamous things, and again, she's the 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 hottest girl of any '80s video. She's in every White Snake video, and everyone knows her for that. But yeah, what's what's astounding when I watch Bachelor Party is I think she's really good in this.
0: Yeah, she actually. I'm actually a little surprised that she did not have a bigger movie career that she wound up having. I mean, you could have plugged her into any of these 80s, you know, comedies, and she probably would have held her own. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and it's and I always say you know Tom Hanks really elevates this material, but Tom Hanks's relationship in the movie really only works if he has a a suitably sweet and and likable fiance as well, and she really does well playing off him in this. And it's one of these things I give credit where credit is due. She didn't do many mainstream movies; she was kind of a B movie actress, if anything. Right. Yeah. But I think she's really good in this, and every time I watch it, I'm like, just like you said, I'm amazed she didn't do more mainstream movies.
0: She's. I will say this, she is the most underrated part of this movie because, quite frankly, when you look at her and then you look at Tom Hanks, the first thing that comes to mind is, how did that dude hook that girl? <laughs> and she makes it 100% believable that she is in love with this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's absolutely, when you watch this movie and you see them interact, she sells it so well. There's absolutely no doubt that she is head over heels in love with this Goofball.
1: Yeah. In between dating OJ, she's on the side seeing Rick Gasco, the bus driver. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we have Rick and Debbie, the uh fated couple that are about to get married. Very sweet. They have a lot of sweet scenes together. And they decided they're going to get married. And again, this is kind of a problem because Tom Hanks is from the poor side of town. She's from the rich side of town. Her parents absolutely hate him. Her cousin hates him. Just everybody hates this guy because he's a loser and he's poor. And really, this is the whole plot of the movie. Tom's buddies say, hey, we'll throw you a bachelor party. Let's get you laid, bring some hookers in here, and we'll have some fun. Your one last fling before you get married. And uh, his girlfriend says, uh, that's all well and good, but there better not be any hookers there, or we're going to call it off. I better know I can trust you. And really, that's the plot of the movie. Everything after that is just details.
0: Yeah, it's 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 really, I, I, I was amazed when I went back. And we watched it this week because I have forgotten how this movie kind of gives you a, a, a little bit of a swerve. Because the first half of the movie, it really seems like it's going to be a movie where they keep trying to pull this party off, and for one reason or another, they keep running into obstacles and roadblocks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of movies out there where that would have been the entire movie. These guys spend an entire film. Trying to pull off a bachelor party and never do it. Then about halfway through, you know, out of nowhere, the bachelor party starts. And then from there, the film just ramps up into overdrive and just goes 110% insane. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think I'm kind of surprised that the guy that directed this movie, I think when I looked it up, this is really the only movie he ever directed. I know he wrote Police Academy, and he was involved with Revenge of the Nerds, I think. Mm-hmm. But as far as directing goes, this is the only one he ever directed, and I think he actually did a really good job. He probably should have been able to direct a few more movies.
1: Yeah, I mean, once you start with Nick the Dick, there's nowhere to go but down. No, <laughs> and yet it goes up. It does. No, and I, my argument when I when I watch this movie is. Everyone remembers The Bachelor Party, all the drunk antics and stuff, and there's lots of nudity, sex, and stuff. I would argue the first half of this movie is the best part of the movie before you even get to The Bachelor Party. I've always thought that's the funniest. It's just one one liner after another, just quips, great scenes, great moments. It's really just Tom Hanks doing his best Bill Murray impression, taking over a movie and being the smarmy jackass and just being the funniest guy in the room. You just want to, like, I just wish I could hang out with this guy. And I just wrote in my notes as I'm watching this movie, I'm circling every little quip he makes, every little non sequitur or one lighter. And they're just hilarious. I mean, do you agree? Do you feel the same way when you watch this movie? Do you think the first half is really the standout part?
0: I do actually. And, and it's, it's, that's why I say it was, it was the, the, the best thing about the movie is the buildup because I mean, you go into the movie expecting the bachelor party. I mean, it's called bachelor party and it does a great job of living up to that, but the build-up to it, just the, all the false starts, the the the, you know, Gary going out and hiring the twins, and then the twins being redirected by Cole to the to the bridal shower, and then having to go back out and and talk to Milt, <laughs> and, and and Nick the Dick, everything else building up to that is just classic
1: (laughs) now rather than walk people through the movie beat by beat i think i'd rather have people just experience this movie if they've never seen it before but there's a couple scenes i want to focus on just because i think they're standouts and there's a lot going on that i think are are worth discussing um the first one i want to mention is the uh dinner scene where we meet rick and debbie for the first time at their apartment oh yeah and there's one moment here that i really have to talk about it starts with Tom Hanks in his kitchen, just making dinner for Debbie. It's just him and the cameras on him. And really this is one of my all time favorite Tom Hanks moments in any Tom Hanks movie where he just starts riffing. He basically turns into Robin Williams. He's just riffing, making as many jokes and little, and little goofy comments about making dinner and he's using props and juggling meatballs. And it's so fun to watch. And I'm like, I love this guy. And like, later in later years tom hanks became like this beloved saturday night live host he has hosted many times he kills every time and you can see why they always say he's the best host he's got great timing he's just really funny and this is the scene the oh this magical spider that one the mystery spice today is paprika ah! and then he's juggling the meatballs and he's like i want some wine and again it's like watching robin williams when robin williams wasn't hopped up on coke it's like a, he's doing basically that kind of shtick
0: yeah and uh, let me tell you something that line and the magical spices paprika every time for years when my brother and I were cooking dinner for our family and we were having, you know, break out the spices. What's the magical spice today? You know? We we always remembered that line from that, uh from him saying that. It uh it became my brother and my catchphrase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. So, so it, it, I 100% agree with you, you know, the the welding together the, the pieces of meat, dead animal flesh, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, 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 it's really three or four minutes of just, it's just nonstop laughing. Yeah, it's just silliness. It's just silliness watching
1: someone who's really talented to do funny stuff. And you know, a lot of that had to be improvised. Like, I'm sure you can script some of that. But that's just Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks. I don't yeah. even think he's really acting in that scene. That's probably what
0: exactly what he was like in 1984. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Yeah, it, it's it's it really is his little moment, and and he takes full advantage of it.
1: <laughs> okay, the second scene uh, I want to point out here is the one where where Rick Tom Hanks goes to his parents' house for dinner for the first time. Oh my goodness, is this a Mario <laughs> long time favorite? Like like you and your brother, you and your uh, brothers had the, the catchphrase, the paprika. Yeah. This one is me and my brothers, and I, I, <clears throat> I'll i let you get to it in a second, but I have to say there's a moment in this scene where Tom Hanks goes to his future in-law's house, and again, they're rich, snobby people, and he's just this jackass, like they want nothing to do with him, and he's just sitting there trolling them, just trying to push their buttons, saying ridiculous stuff, just one-liners, and then the scene that always sticks with me, and I, I will say this because this is something my brother and I used to do, is Tom Hanks is playing a, a nice little game of tennis with the rich folk. And every time they hit the ball to Tom, he'll wind up and blast it as far as he can over the court, like outside the court, like a home run. And he'll hold up his arms like he just did, he uh, hit a home run. And what's hilarious is that my brother and I used to do that as kids. I had a grandfather who was a very nice man, but had no sense of humor. Was not particularly fond of humor or antics among children. And right. He would always be. He had a tennis court in his backyard, and he'd always be trying to teach us tennis. And my brother and I were just kind of jackasses, just like a little smart Alex. And I would do this every time. My grandfather would hit it to me, and I'd wind up and I'd blast it like 500 feet out of the tennis court. And he'd get so mad. He's like, God damn it, you kids. And my brother and I thought this was the funniest thing ever. And so to see Tom Hanks do it in Bachelor Party is just something that always reminds me of my childhood. That's such a little kid thing to do. And he just keeps doing it. It's just one of those things that always jumps out at me
0: in this movie. I always love in that scene how you can see her father is just slowly boiling over. Her mother is just befuddled, and she's just having a great time with it. She knows he's there to just wind her parents up, and she's just rolling with it. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, it's it's just a wonderful scene. Again, if you like Caddyshack, if you like that the poor people, pissing off the rich people type humor. This scene is about as funny as any scene in the 80s. It's, yeah. So, again, if you, if you don't want to watch this movie, if it's too R-rated or sexual for you, just watch the tennis court scene and the whole dinner party scene. It's so funny, right down to the point where where the dad pulls young Tom Hanks aside and basically reels off all his faults. You know, you're lazy, you're immature, you're in, inconsiderate, you're a slob. He just reels off all these things and... Tom Hanks gives this wonderful jackass answer at the end. He's like, "Well, you know, thank you, sir. I think if I really apply myself, I could be a totally changed person by the time we finish lunch." (laughs) And it's funny. I do that. I am a writer on the internet, and I people like my writing. Some people don't like my writing. And whenever people, I've had people do that to me. Like, "You suck, Mario. I hate your writing. You're a jackass. You think you're funnier than you are. You're just an idiot." and I always, I I totally dropped this Tom Hanks line. I've done it for years. I'm like, "Thank you for pointing out my flaws. I should have them all corrected by tomorrow. Thank you very much." So, so just I've this movie entered my head and it's always kind of been in the back of my head is just I wanted to be funny like Rick Gasco.
0: Oh, yeah, he just always had the perfect quip for the perfect situation. <laughs> and I mean, and did it in such a way that it was like from anybody maybe 5% less nice, you would punch them in the face. (laughs) But he does that, like you say, that underlying sweetness that just lets him get away with being just a 100% dick to these people.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, and it's just, I mean, you could make the argument he's he's not even just being a dick, he's puncturing all their uh, pretension. He just doesn't like rich pretensions. Yes, and there's just so many lines here where the mom's like, oh, uh, that nice meeting you, Rick. We should do this again. He's like, Yeah, let's do it tomorrow. I'll bring some weenies. <laughs> <laughs> just a random little one-liner, and then there's another one where the rich boyfriend Cole comes over and says, "I want Debbie back. You, I will. Uh, what is it? Uh, you dump her, you, uh, Yeah, you dump her, and I'll give you cash. And and Tom Hanks is like, Oh, really? What's Debbie's blue book value right now? <laughs> again, that's such like a Bill Murray line. I could just picture Bill Murray yeah. saying that. So. Let's see, I'm trying to think, what are we missing here in the dinner party? Are we, we are missing a couple strong supporting actors here. This is something that people may forget about this movie, is that uh, there's a couple prominent female comedians in this movie that don't really get a lot of credit because people kind of forget about them. And one of them is uh, 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 Tony Katane's cousin, played by Deborah, I always want to say Foreman, but it's not, Deborah Harmon. And people may remember her. She was the mom on Just the Ten of Us. She's in a movie called Used Cars. She's a Second City alumnus. She plays this uh, cousin that hates all the men. And then in there, uh, we have uh, Tom Hanks' brother as a doctor. His wife, the very uptight doctor, is played by Wendy Jo Sperber, who was a very prominent comedian in the early to mid-80s. Very well-liked. Everyone loved her. They tried to put her in movies. She was like uh, Robert Zemeckis' good luck charm. So we got some other funny people in this movie besides Tom Hanks. And Okay, let's uh go. What what are there any other scenes here you want to uh call out here in particular before we get to the Bachelor
0: Party? Well, um I think the uh the introduction at the very beginning of the movie to all of uh Rick's friends is one of my favorite parts of the movie. Especially um you know, you first meet uh first you meet O'Neal. Mm-hmm. Adrian said he's the photographer, mm-hmm. who of course is uh uh, you know, we meet him in, at his job, taking photos of a mother and her kid. And, of course, you know, uh, uh the famous, they put the kid, to, because she's obviously a big bosom woman, as he says. His <laughs> best line in the movie, if I was that kid, I would breastfeed until I was 17 or 18. <laughs> and then, of course, they put the kid to sleep, and Rick shows up, and it's just the three of them taking photos together. <laughs> Do you have uh? It's a four of
1: them. The four of them taking photos together. The two boobs. Well, the
0: kids then... just off to the side. I was, yeah,
1: I was counting the two boobs. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a. And then of the course you meet Rudy the mechanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet him uh, accidentally drinking a can of STP. <laughs> I don't even know if they have those anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you meet Gary the uh, the the ticket salesman. The the. Yeah. Every group has the has the the skinny whippy guy yeah. and that was Gary's function. He's the screech. And, yes. And then Ryko who was uh uh they go to his restaurant he's a waiter there mm-hmm. where he's explaining to his table that he's waiting on how he doesn't eat dairy products cuz so they give him phlegm which is of course what you want to tell your customers. <laughs> And so that's where we meet this core group of guys, and you meet all these guys, and like I say, they're all completely different people, and you get the feeling just by being around them that there's really no reason there's no reason for Rudy to ever hang out with Gary <laughs> well unless it's unless it's with Rick yeah and and as I said, you know that's the unifying factor, and that's where you first start to see that charisma when he's trying to explain to these guys that he's actually getting married and none of them are happy for him Mm -hmm. you know all of them are upset they all think he's making a big mistake and yet you know he's able to to bring them together and 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 you know let them know hey i'm still gonna be that guy. I'm still going to be your friend. We're still going to hang out. Nothing's really going to change. I'm just going to be married. And I love you guys. You know, he tells him that. He says, you know, I love you guys and I always will. And it doesn't come off insincere. And, you know, guys don't like to tell other guys they love them, but he says it. And there's not even, um, like a nervous giggle Mm -hmm. about, it. you know, it's, he means it. He's sincere. He loves these guys. These guys are his best friends. Yeah, absolutely. And although, although to point out, they only
1: really come on board with this idea when O'Neill points out, well, we're also going to have a bachelor party. And then yeah. then they're all for it, including the very famous quote, and I'll let you quote it. I'm sure you'll do it justice.
0: The, um, well, let's have a bachelor party with chicks and guns and fire trucks and hookers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the things that make life worth living
1: for. That's right. There you go. That's, that is the quote on the poster right there. A uh, bachelor party with chicks and guns and fire trucks and hookers. <laughs>
0: and we got all of that.
1: Yes. All right. Here. So uh, we're getting into the uh, build up to the bachelor party. I'm trying to see here. Let's see. Yeah. We. Uh, I should. I suppose we should mention Adrian Zemed here because every great comic movie star needs a second banana. Adrian Zamed here is the uh, second fiddle to Tom Hanks, and again, a lot of people may not know Adrian Zamed. He was he was fairly prominent at that time. I would I would say he's like a poor man Steve Gutenberg, which is a bad thing to be the poor version of, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but I would it, say he, that is
0: that is the great what if of the 80s because he's that is, always to me has been the big mystery how he did not blow up. I mean he was. He was the hot guy on T.J. Hooker. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think uh, 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 a lot of people say his involvement in Grease too is what destroyed his career. But, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer made it out of the other side okay. So I don't know why that would have been it. And, you know, he's great in this movie. And then you don't see a lot of him after this movie, and I still don't understand why.
1: Yeah, maybe it's the curse of working with Tom Hanks. Like, Hanks had a bad habit of burying his his popular, likable co-workers like Peter Scolari, Hanks yeah. buried him, and Adrian Zamed. So I guess the rule in the 80s was don't play second banana to Tom Hanks.
0: <laughs> that probably is a good rule. Yes.
1: Okay, so we met all his friends. And again, I've seen this movie dozens of times over my life. I never remember any of the character names except Rick and Sheila. And so, uh, or Debbie, sorry, I even screwed her name up. So, uh, And now we meet one other. There's one other friend that's coming to the bachelor party. They've called him in from out of town and he's like their old stoner buddy, and he comes, and this is where we meet Peckerhead, and I would again argue as if this is the only Tom Hanks movie with a bestiality scene. It's also the only Tom Hanks movie featuring a side character named Peckerhead.
0: The infamous Brad, yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and Brad will be comic relief through a lot of the movie. I've seen some reviews that say his scenes really drag the movie down. They're not very funny. I don't happen to agree with that. I think he's one of the funnier guys in the movie especially in the second half but if you don't enjoy the subplot of the guy trying to commit suicide repeatedly i can see maybe why you wouldn't like it
0: well i mean brad aka peckerhead brad and and uh uh why am i forgetting his name his brother Rick's brother uh
1: i don't even remember his name i I was trying to write down all the characters names i have no idea what his name is
0: i have it here uh stan okay that's it stan stan gasco Stan and Brad are the two married guys in this movie, and they're the ones that are consistently telling Rick, don't get married. Mm-hmm. How horrible marriage is. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Stan obviously has a ball buster for a wife. <laughs> um, and, and Brad hates his marriage so much that he shows up. Blasted out of his mind to the bachelor's party and spends a good chunk of it trying to kill himself trying to drown himself, trying to cut his wrist with an electric razor <laughs> it's and yeah i I agree with you he he's it sounds bad when you say it, but it was funny it was his attempts at suicide were funny, and this is once again the whole thing of. You couldn't probably get away with that character today. But in the 80s, you know, it worked.
1: Absolutely. And um, one of Peckerhead's many suicide attempts leads to one of my favorite Tom Hanks quips in the movie where he's trying to kill himself with an electric razor. He can't find the razor blades, so he's (laughs) using an electric razor on his wrist. And Tom Hanks is like, well, at least your wrist will be smooth and kissable. (laughs) (laughs) And again, every time, again, I just every one of these lines, I think – that would be so funny out of Bill Murray's mouth, too. That sounds like a Bill Murray line. So it's just... that Again, this was the Tom Hanks comp at the time. Just Bill Murray at his peak here. Well,
0: there's, there is... I will say there is one line in this movie that I don't think anybody but Tom Hanks could get away with. Okay. That was when Cole shows up at the first time at the party um, in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. And... He's talking to Rick as he comes in, and he tells Rick, you know, no funny stuff. And Rick says, well, just a little, and just that little shimmy. (laughs) And that just kills me every time. I don't think anybody else but Tom Hanks is going to pull that off. Yeah, I have that one circled
1: as well. Just such a great Tom Hanks little one-liner, and then the face he makes afterwards. What, just a little trouble? Okay, so let's get to the bachelor party. So the guys have the bachelor party. They've sent Gary out to procure hookers, as you do for a bachelor party. And Debbie's rich boyfriend, ex boyfriend Cole, is bound to determine to make sure this bachelor party doesn't happen. So he goes out of his way to sabotage the bachelor party. The first thing he does is he intercepts the hookers headed for the uh, bachelor party and he redirects them over towards Debbie's wedding shower at her mother's house instead. And this is another one of the standout scenes in the movie that I love. Uh. Maybe a little too raunchy for perhaps a modern audience, but it's, it's one of the standouts
0: well, I would say. And the funny part is we say it's raunchy, but in fact, you see nothing. All you do is hear <laughs> hear what's going on. They do a great job of letting you visualize in your mind what actually happens when those two show up. You know, uh, they walk in in their leathers and, you know, there's there's a nice little party going on. And all of a sudden you just hear a woman go, oh, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, it's unseen. You
1: do not see the two uh, hookers going down on each other in the middle of Debbie's mom's living room with the vibrator. But I don't
0: know what what an electric vibrator. (laughs) uh, Do you have an outlet around here? Other one with the biggest with this side of Indiana Jones. <laughs>
1: yeah. Although there's a there's a wonderfully understated scene right before this as they're all arriving at the bridal shower. Yes. You have Wendy Jo Sperber there as the uptight doctor's wife. I do not approve of any of this. And it's her waiting at the front door with these two leather-clad hookers. <laughs> and it's how awkward and uncomfortable it is just the three of them yeah. standing there. And I just love, again, Wendy Jo Sperber, the look on her face having realizing she's going into a party with a bunch of leather ladies. <laughs>
0: yes. Yes. And it it, it's it's the look on the mother's face when she opens the door and looking at these two leather, you know, what are you doing here? And they're like, is this such and such address? Well, yes, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And that will set the tone nicely for the second half of the movie. <laughs> the, yes. the two hookers going down on each other. Okay. So we get to the, to the hotel, and this is where all the, uh, all the guys are getting up to the room, and they're intercepted in the lobby. This, uh, the hotel manager sees them all barreling. Yeah, you're laughing before I even get here, because this is a scene that always... I have so many friends that this is their favorite quote in the whole movie, this little scene yeah. in the elevator, where they all get to the elevator, and the hotel manager stops them. And uh, <laughs> again, just this is a stupid quote. It makes no sense, any of these lines. But uh, the manager, hotel manager says, Just where do you think you're going? And in, in, in unison, one of them, Adrian Zmed, says, The Library of Congress? And then someone says, Detroit? And then Peckerhead, for no discernible reason, says, Beyond <laughs> the Sun? <Boston. laughs> and then there's just this awkward pause, and Tom Hanks is like, any of those right? <laughs> Such a stupid little quote, and it's just, again, that when I say this movie has as many one-liners as anything in the 80s, that's what I'm talking about right there. And then, and and then he, yeah, the manager doubles down, he's like, this is the Parkview Hotel. I am the hotel manager, and they all just start applauding very respectfully. Yeah, like, oh, okay. <laughs> and the applause will come back later in the Nick the Dick scene. So I, <laughs> I enjoyed Tom Hanks just randomly having respect for things and applauding them.
0: We do not tolerate funny business here. He says that as the, the mascot for the for the uh, convention comes walking in on four legs. <laughs>
1: Okay, so we've gone through a couple great one liner scenes and now we go up to the uh the bachelor pad and there's no hookers there because they have all been they're all uh eating each other out at the uh, mom's house. <laughs> so they go up there and they have nothing to do, there's no girls here. So the uh only recourse they have at this point is to watch some porn films. Adrian's Med has rented some some brought some porn films to them. Although unbeknownst to him Uh, all the dirty parts have been cut out by Debbie's friends. They're sabotaging the porn. So they start watching these porn films and they're all like suggestive and then nothing happens. It cuts to the aftermath of them just laying there in bed. And Tom Hanks, again, just one liners left and right where, uh, what does he say here? He says, uh, baby Rudy standout scene. Oh yeah. Well, first it's uh, yeah. Tom Hanks is like, I'm not complaining, but usually I don't like my filth this clean. (laughs) Okay. So what's, uh, what's the
0: Rudy moment? I'm forgetting it here. Well, Rudy, Rudy, to me, just dominates that whole scene because it's, it's, uh, first of all, he's the one who taught me the meaning of the phrase, lay that pipe. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, during the porn movie, Rudy's yelling encouragement to the male actors. So, of course, you know, they, they, he turns the film on and the guys, maybe start starts hearing Rudy's like, lay that pipe, brother, lay that pipe. And. The women immediately take their clothes off, and just as they're about to have sex, it cuts to the, the three of them in bed, Rudy's like, they're like, What's going wrong? Rudy's like, kick it, kick it. <laughs> and O'Neill, Adrian's med, says, Oh, well, you know what? That's that's okay. This scene is so much better. You can't believe two human beings can do that. And then that's when Rudy says, My favorite, maybe my favorite line in the whole movie. Kiss them all the way down. All the way down. And that's when you have Rick, you know, go, 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 go. And they're all chanting, go, go, go. And immediately the film ends. <laughs> oh, I'm glad
1: we're talking about this movie.
0: <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah,
1: I can see why my parents would not let me watch this one when nah. I was 12. <laughs> no. It was funny. I was reading... I was reading on the Internet, I was reading a bunch of reviews on, like, the Internet Movie Database, and this one guy said, yeah, we snuck this on one night at home, and my mom walked in and saw us watching it, and immediately walked in and turned off the channel, and we were grounded for a week. (laughs) Okay, I'd have to say there's another line, again, even in the the porno scene, where despite Rudy yelling to lay the pipe, there's another one where uh, O'Neill mentions the name of the movie. Uh, This is uh, Nymphos Without Pants, and Tom Hanks quips, Olivier is in that, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the 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 hand puppets, <laughs> yeah. Before the film comes on and Stan Stan makes a a, a penis. where uh, here comes King Kong, fellas.
1: <laughs> You'd expect nothing less less from this movie. Okay. We've gotten a little dirty on this podcast and we're just going to keep going here cuz now we go to the scene where the uh, the ladies are upset that the, the two hookers were sent to their bridal shower and they're going to get revenge on the guys like, "Well, we'll go. if you think they can have hookers, we can have strippers." So they're going to go to the male strip club down the street, basically the Chippendales and Debbie's mom is like, uh, "I don't know if I want to be here." She's like, "Come on, they are, Debbie's cousin is the one kind of leading the charge. They asked for yes. it. They're they're pigs. We can do this too." So we go And to- I always
0: laugh because it was her cousin's idea, and yet throughout the entire time they're there, she looks completely disgusted. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah, just, again, Deborah Harmon, just watch her facial reaction to this movie. She was very funny. I know she dropped out of the business. She doesn't act anymore, but she was very funny and very well regarded at the time, and you can kind of see if you just pay attention to her in some of these reaction shots. Okay, so we're in the strip club now, and one of Rick's friends works there, and he's like, hey, you know who he calls them in their bachelor pad? He's like, you know just showed up down here at the strip club? Debbie and her family. And so Rick and his buddies were like, well, I guess we got nothing else to do. Let's go play a little joke on <laughs> them. And this is one of the standout scenes in the movie, the one that this is my... The
0: most infamous scene, this is the one it's known for.
1: <laughs> yeah, so why don't you lead us through our introduction to a character named Nick the Dick? <sighs>
0: So they show up, uh, Rick's buddy Michael is the bartender at this uh, male strip club, and so they show up, and Rick, uh, they see them out there uh, having a great time, in fact uh, The women, they see the women having a great time. The women, Wendy Jo Sperber's having the time of her life, uh, which of course bugs stand in the wind, one of the strippers pulls her out on the dance floor and starts dancing with her, and so, uh, uh Michael introduces them. He says, he brings the guy out and says, uh, you know, welcome to uh, meet Chippendale's star attraction, Mr. Nicholas, better known as Nick the Dick. And Michael says, Nick the what? The, the dick. dick. And they don't... Th- Part of the beauty of this movie and what makes it great is a lot of the the raunchiest stuff in the movie, you never see its sound effects. (laughs) And all you see is a shot from behind of Nick from below and looking up at everybody else's face. And you see him kind of shimming around. You hear the zipper drop. And then you hear this just just fumbling. And then all you hear is this Thunk. And, of course, everybody starts applauding. Hey-ho!
1: Yes, for those who have not seen the movie or who are just listening, Nick is particularly well-endowed. You don't see it, but Tom Hanks and company are very impressed. They give him the respectful applause that nature has has, uh, equipped him with such a uh, massive tool.
0: And so they give him a foot-long hot dog bun, which he then proceeds to slide himself into with an even bigger thunk. <laughs> and so he goes out with a tray of food, delivering it to Debbie's party's table. And it's a bunch of uh, hamburgers and, you know, finger foods and stuff. And he goes to the table and he says, I've got your food. Ladies, help yourself. And everybody's getting their plates. He makes his way around the table and the last lady left is Debbie's mom. <laughs> she says, is that the footlong? And Nick says, And then so. And she tries to grab it, and of course, as she grabs it, Nick comes right along with it. And for about five or six seconds, she's just pulling on it, totally befuddled, until she finally realizes what she's pulling on and starts screaming, which gets the whole table screaming. (laughs) And then the best part of the scene is she doesn't let go. (laughs) She keeps pulling on it, with Debbie wrestling with her, trying to get her to release Nick. (laughs) And all the guys are watching, and they're dying laughing, and of course, her cousin spots them, which sends them scurrying like roaches when the lights come on, and just propels, that's what really propels the second half of the movie, because the women decide from there to get their revenge on the guys' even more by dressing up as hookers and going to the hotel and catching them in the act.
1: <laughs> yeah. Again, and this whole scene, this whole Nick, the Dick scene is based on the novel, Anna Karenina, if you, if people are familiar with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of those scenes you have to see to believe again, it's hard to believe that Tom Hanks is involved in a scene like this in a movie. <laughs> I have to say in the midst of all this sleaze, here's Tom Hanks dropping his cute little one-liners where, uh, The first time he sees Nick the Dick and he sees him down below, Tom Hanks says, uh, you know, personally I was impressed when they opened the World Trade Center, but this is a piece (laughs) of work. (laughs) Yeah, it's just (laughs) one of those scenes you have to see to believe. It's a, I don't know if they would have put it in a movie nowadays, but it was, it was there in the eighties and we (laughs) laughed. And every person I know who loves this movie, they always point out that scene is one of the hardest times, the times they laughed the hardest in the movie. (laughs) Exactly.
0: And, And once again, to point out, It's, there's plenty of nudity in this film, but like with this scene and there's other scenes, the raunchiest stuff you never actually see. Mm -hmm. It's inferred. You see reactions to what happens. And I think that's what really makes the film as good as it is, is that it never quite feels the need to go over the top. Yeah.
1: It's weird to say that about bachelor party that it doesn't go over the top, but you're right. It's a lot of it is very restrained, and it's just you—you you think you see more than you really do. Exactly. Okay, so let's see. So we got Nick the Dick out of the way. All the uh, the women are upset that that Rick would play this prank on them. So they decide they're going to dress up like hookers and go to the hotel and try to catch them in the act. And so yeah, we're going to get to the second, the end of the movie here, which is really just the, the party. The
0: uh... well, we can't forget. Uh gary's second attempt at getting hookers
1: yes gary's first attempt was rebuffed when they were sent to the bridal shower instead so he goes to find a a backup pimp and i guess we go to the second string of pimps here in the city he finds the uh (laughs) only indian surfer pimp i've ever seen in a movie (laughs) it looks like gandhi talks like spicoli (laughs) what it is bro (laughs) just again probably couldn't get away with that character in a modern movie i I appreciate it makes me laugh (laughs) Yeah. So Gary orders the second set of hookers. He, the pimp says, "Okay, but have them back in 45 minutes, or I send my 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 uh, my muscle man here, Milt, to cut your balls off."
0: This being Milt? Yes.
1: Okay. So now we're at the party. Now the party's in full swing. The hookers have showed up. The band has showed up. Now everything's back in swing in the hotel room, and people are just randomly walking by in the in the hallway, hearing the noise and coming in. So it's just it's a big swinging. I wouldn't say shindig. That's a little classy for what it actually is. It's just really a debauchery of yes. sex and drugs. With the band. Yeah, with a band. It's classy. So let's see here. So uh, I'm getting my notes here. I think we're getting up to the Monique Gabriel scene. Is that the scene here? Yeah, okay. Now we get one of the other standout scenes in this movie. And this is where they get they, uh, the movie directors went out and hired a a Playboy centerfold, a playmate of the year named Monique Gabriel to be the temptation for Rick. She's going to tempt him in his vows with Debbie. And I have to say, Monique Gabriel is one of my favorite little forgotten movie stars of the 80s because she will show up in a prominent position in three different movies I'm going to talk about on Staff Picks, even though she really didn't make any big movies. So Monique Gabrielle, yeah, she shows up here, she's in the bedroom, and uh O'Neill has hired her to basically seduce Rick. We're gonna make you sleep with a hooker tonight. We hire the dream girl. What is her name? Uh what is her name? Tracy. Tracy. Tracy Tracy. Yeah, so she's there. She's topless, and this is where we get a lot of the nudity in the movie comes in. This scene right here. We get a prolonged shot of Monique topless and yes. Rick uh different Heads on her body, tempting him. Like there's a there's his friend encouraging him. Then there's the nun he works with, and there all the kids that he that he rides the school bus. It's a very very R-rated scene. But in the end, Monique cannot tempt him, and uh, Tom Hanks is faithful to Debbie. Which again, if he was not faithful, it would ru- absolutely ruin this movie. But he's still a good guy in the end, and that's kind of the the pivotal moment for him right there that he turns her down.
0: Yes. It, it, it um it is funny that. She was completely ruined for me for being sexy the minute I saw Stan's head on her body. <laughs> yes. Stan's like head you... on Monique Gabriel, not attractive. No. Just killed the <laughs> vibe. Yes, But I uh, uh, agree my favorite part of that scene is the cutaway back to Rick, and they sh- it's Rick— and the kids from his bus and the kids from his bus are egging him on. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Lay that pipe, lay that pipe. <laughs> you know, once again, that's, that's the heart of this movie is is Rick made a vow to Debbie. He was not cheating on her. And even though everybody else around him is having sex, and even though he gets tempted by the ultimate temptress, he stays faithful to Debbie. You know, he apologizes to O'Neal says you know I'm sorry man I couldn't do it and you know O'Neal's like but I wish you know I had a connection with a girl like that and then immediately check out the bazongas on that babe <laughs>
1: Okay, let's see. We got we got two more important scenes here at The Bachelor Party. Again, people might not remember that The Bachelor Party isn't actually the most prominent part of this movie. It's kind of truncated towards the end. There isn't that much that goes on at the party itself. Right. However, there are two subplots here that are worth mentioning. The first one is that uh, apparently the guys have topped themselves on this party in the uh, realm of good taste. It isn't enough to have hookers and strippers and drugs and booze here. We're going to uh, hire a what is known as a Tijuana sex act, which is a woman who is going to hook up with a donkey. <laughs> again, again it's, it's hard to say this movie is restrained when you get to this part. This is the part that's like Tom Hanks may be a little uh, not not proud, embarrassed that he started in this movie now, when you know where his career went, but it's the, uh, the donkey scene is coming up here.
0: Oh, a donkey that doesn't want to be recognized? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So I'll just I'll just kind of fast forward through this. You can you can enjoy this one when you watch it for yourself. But yeah, the uh, the guys bring a uh,
0: donkey. A, a scene, by the way, that took 22 years to finally get a payoff, which finally happened in Clerks Two. Oh, good. <laughs> Why don't you explain that for people who don't get that? The the it is a completely different movie. I don't know if anybody's uh, Kevin Smith's sequel to to his original hit Clerks. It's his lat. It's a. Uh, uh, I forget, uh, I forget the guy's name. It's his last day there. And so his best, Dante and Randall. Yes. It's Dante's last day there. He's engaged. He's moving to Florida. And he's leaving Randall behind. And so Randall decides, as a going away present, to throw him a party, and tells him, I'm going to find us a, a donkey sex act. Because God damn it, Bachelor Party promised me a donkey sex act and he never gave it to us and I, if you know Kevin Smith and you've watched Kevin Smith movies, yes Kevin Smith gave you a donkey sex act, he did not let you, leave you hanging with that one <laughs> so they left us unfulfilled
1: for the donkey sex enthusiasts here in Bachelor Party we did not get the scene because the poor
0: woman was the the, the the female part of the act was <laughs> dancing and and winning Rudy's heart as he's shattering bottles over his head And the donkey, who had nothing better to do, helped himself to all the pills and all the rails of coke that Pecker had nicely laid out for the party. (laughs) And so the donkey has a heart attack and dies. Yep. (laughs) Which they've got to give him a nice little donkey funeral and and put him in the elevator, which gives us not one but two great reaction shots.
1: (laughs) Yeah. This is where the movie goes a little dark with the dead donkey that overdosed on cocaine at their party. <laughs> I was actually reading some behind-the-scenes uh, info about this movie, and I was reading the director said, you know, we we almost killed that donkey in real life. They had to give him a drug to make him all limp and stiff, and they accidentally stopped his heart. <laughs> and so they like, to like, we had to resuscitate him and bring him back to life. So the donkey was perfectly fine, but the director admitted, he's like, we were like five seconds from death. We almost killed that donkey in real life.
0: You know, this is this is the uh, the pre humane association being on every set <laughs> that had an animal involved. So these were the days when uh, if you were shooting a film with an animal, there's probably a good chance that an animal was going to die. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but the donkey lives, so we have a happy ending here. That's good. Okay, so there's one more other scene I want to point out here because it's a it's subplot in this movie people kind of forget about. But I just when I was watching it today, it just made me laugh. It's where Cole is trying to, uh, he's very upset that Rick is still doing this party. This is Cole, the rich boyfriend, and he's uh, upset that they trashed his car, they took his Porsche, and they turned it into like a La Cucaracha mobile, if I recall. (laughs) So uh, he goes across the street to a, a neighboring hotel, and he starts firing crossbow bolts into their hotel trying to kill Rick. And uh, they see what he's doing, they catch him, so they basically send Tracy the temptress across the hall to uh, distract him. And then when she catches him with his pants down, they run in and bum rush Cole. And they dangle him out the uh, hotel window naked. And there's this little running gag where there's this married couple who's in the hotel for the first time celebrating their their newlywed uh, nuptials here. And every time they look out or look out the window, they see Cole's naked ass staring them in the face. (laughs) It happens once in the window, which is funny enough. And then they go down to the car, and they they're going to kiss there, and uh, you know new they're newlyweds, they, yeah. they They open they, up the sunroof, and Cole's naked ass comes plunging down into the sunroof and hits them both in the face. And it's, again, it's not proud comedy, but I defy you not
0: to laugh in that
1: scene. No, it's really it's funny,
0: very funny. It it it's you know, and and Cole was an asshole, so you know he deserved it.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay, so we, we've hit all the high we've hit all the high points of the movie here now. You know, the girls show up at the hotel, they get chased by some Japanese hookers, kind of a sub, or some Japanese businessmen, and then Debbie ends up at the bachelor party. Rick decides to play a little joke on her, and pretend he doesn't know who she is, and he pretends he's, he starts dry humping her, and she's like, Rick, I can't trust you, and it's all a misunderstanding, everyone lives happily ever after. And basically, that's kind of the end of the bachelor party, part of the movie. Oh, oh Go ahead, he, what am I missing? He
0: forgot one little part where uh, Debbie's father shows up to the party, because Debbie's father happens to be in that hotel that night. He had to get out of the house for the bridal shower, and there's a convention going on, and they lost their keynote speaker. So he shows up to to do this keynote speech, and as he's leaving the hotel, he runs into Cole, who, as we just mentioned, had been dropped out of a 10-story window into the sunroof of a car and runs into the hotel naked. And he explains to Debbie's father what's happening. And, uh, Debbie's father sends him to the, to the hotel, uh, store to get some clothes. And he goes up to the party and is so happy he's busted Rick. Yeah. Just, I knew you were a degenerate. And, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go tell Debbie right now what you're up to and this wedding is gonna be off. And O'Neill says, You're absolutely right. In fact, let me show you where the phone is and you can call Debbie. He walks off and you know, thinks he's one, he turns to Rick and says, You're done, mister. And Rick is, of course, upset. Well, thanks, pal. When Debbie hears about this, she's going to dump me. And O'Neill's like, don't worry, buddy. I got take it taken care of. And O'Neill rounds up all the hookers and sends them into the room with Debbie's dad. And we don't see Debbie's dad until after, as you mentioned, Debbie has shown up. She and Rick are back together. And uh after Rick has proven that he's been faithful to her the entire movie. Uh, he asks her what she wants to do, and she says, let's get naked. So they run off, but she runs to the wrong bedroom, and then she opens up the door. There's her dad, spread-eagled, tied to the bed, surrounded by a bevy of hookers. Just and he is, he's gagged, and you just hear him grunting, and O'Neill translates for him and says he loves it and he's thinking of changing his name to Butch. (laughs) Yes.
1: Again, the classic eighties trope of the rich person getting the comeuppance. That's really the, the heart and soul of all eighties comedies, the rich snobby person getting their comeuppance.
0: And so at this particular point, the hotel manager shows up with the cops Mm -hmm. and enters the hotel room and the party at that point is over. Everybody makes a break for it. And, of course, who's left behind but Debbie's dad. <laughs> yes.
1: The prominent businessman in town, Mr. Uh, – what is the last name? I forget Debbie's last name.
0: I forget their name. Yeah,
1: the very prominent businessman tied up in leather, surrounded by hookers, with pictures all over the place. So perhaps it would not be in his best interest to piss off Rick and Debbie anytime soon after this because they yes. have evidence. So. Yeah, so all is right in the world except now we get this amazing finale to this movie that is one thing that I always kind of forget that there's this stuff tacked on at the end. It's really funny the the
0: 3D yeah. fight. Yes, where as they're as they're running out of the hotel and uh, uh, trying to avoid the cops, um, and that scene in and of itself has several classic moments. You've got uh, Gary getting locked up with. Tim, the mechanic transvestite you he'd had sex with earlier, yes, which once again that's a whole other scene that could never be done in a modern movie. Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, you have uh, uh Stanley who's been caught by the cops and he's handcuffed to one of the hookers and his wife is dealing with the cops downstairs and she sees Stanley and immediately, I mean with some NFL-worthy moves, like throws away like four or five cops so that she could beat up her husband. Yep. What'd you say, Stan? You said no hookers, pow, No hookers, pa! And then in the midst of all this chaos, you've got Cole who's gotten dressed, and he sees Debbie as they're running out, and there's a massive crowd, and so Rick and Debbie get separated, and as Rick and the guys make it outside and they're looking for Debbie, as Debbie comes outside, Cole grabs her and kidnaps her. Mm-hmm. And they see Cole escaping in a municipal truck with a poor guy uh tied to the back, dropping uh street cones. Mm-hmm. And so Rick is chasing them with, like, amazingly to me, like at least 30 people from the party have jumped into the bus to help him get Debbie back. They show up at the theater, and I'm glad I didn't realize it until I was rewatching it for this because it was always my one little quibble with the movie because I was like, Man, it's got to be like 7, 8 a.m. Why are people in the movie theater watching this movie? <laughs> and I just noticed when we were rewatching it, there's a big sign in the movie theater that says 24-hour 3D marathon. <laughs> there you go. They explained it. So everybody goes inside. They're looking. And really, and I say this once again that I'm shocked that this guy never got another directing gig because – the fight between Rick and Cole in in the theater in front of the 3D screen is really one of the better shot uh, uh, scenes in a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's perfectly done, well edited, well timed. The reaction cuts from the audience are great. I mean, and, and there's there's a fight. There, there's a there's a guy on screen who's got a woman by her arm, and he's dragging her, and it's some sort of sci-fi movie, so on some desolate planet. Mm-hmm. And as you see that, you see Cole dragging Debbie in front of the screen, and Rick comes into the theater, and he runs to the front, and as he runs to the front, you see another character on the screen run into the scene. And so basically from there, everything that happens between Rick, Debbie, and... And Cole is echoed on the screen, and it's got the audience thinking that this is the greatest 3D movie they've ever <laughs> seen in their life. Yeah,
1: for people who don't know what he's talking about, there's a 3D movie playing in the background, and then Rick and Nicole are basically acting out the movie right in front in a rare Tom Hanks fight scene. Very well choreographed fight scene, but yeah, it's 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 just a very clever scene to have in a comedy. That, an insignificant movie that didn't really mean anything, but it's a very... Clever, creative way to do an ending to this movie. The, the 3D fight scene is the, one of the standouts, I would say.
0: Where you've got the, the 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 couple in the front, and the guy says these effects are great, and his girlfriend says, eh, "I've seen better." And then I can't remember who it was. I think it was Cole oh. throws a punch, yeah, hits her, right. and Tom Hanks ducks and punches her straight in the in the face, and she's like, "Whoa!" <laughs> yes. And again, it's just one of those things that
1: even if you don't care to see a movie about debauchery and drunken orgies, there's other stuff in this movie that's really funny, and this 3D scene is one that I would point out.
0: Yes. And of course, the best payoff to the entire 3D scene, after Rick has beat up Cole, and he's reunited with Debbie, and they're kissing, but you know, of course the movie has moved on, and it's now in space, and You've still got uh, Peckerhead, Mm -hmm. who's stayed on the bus all by himself. He's still crying. He says, that's it. I'm going to end it. He gets behind the wheel of Rick's bus and drives it into the building, which happens to be the theater where they just had to fight. And on the screen is a big uh, space fight scene. And you see a ship coming directly towards the audience. And then the bus crashes through at that moment and the audience gives it a standing ovation because that's just the greatest thing they've ever seen in a (laughs) movie. Yes. A wonderful conclusion to Bachelor Party with
1: Peckerhead driving through the the, uh, movie screen in the bus.
0: Yes. I mean, it's just, it really is uh, an hour and 40 minutes of just nonstop laughter. And it's, I, 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 I hate to always I come off a lot of times with the younger generation, like old man syndrome, but it's just, these are the kind of movies that I've missed that you can't make today. They don't have to be, not every movie has to be Shakespeare, Mm -hmm. but you know, there was a recklessness to this movie that you just couldn't do today because there's just too many different things you have to take into consideration Mm -hmm. to not offend people. Yeah.
1: It's, there's this guilt and the shame that would be attached to a movie like this. Like, even now, when I see some modern reviews of Bachelor Party, it's like, this is funny, but... And then they'll apologize for liking it. Like, that's the thing I love about this movie. There is no shame in this movie. They don't feel guilty about this at all. And again, it's written by the people who made Police Academy, and it feels just like it. It's the same type of spirit. And again, even at the end, in this bus chase, they're using the Police Academy music. It's the same music in Police Academy. And it's just, yeah, it's just... A whole different era of film, I don't know whether it's better or worse, whatever it just it is what it is, but you can't feel ashamed for a movie like this. It exists for no reason other than to make you enjoy what you're watching for an hour forty and you're gonna laugh and you're gonna you may not feel great about it, but it's really gonna crack you up at certain points and again, there's yeah, there might be some bad things, there might be some raunchy stuff, some stuff might not age that well in this movie, but there's so many good things, and yeah. it's one of those things like they always hear you know America. Tom Hanks is like the American pride, he's like the national treasure, we should lock him in the Library of Congress, like we should enshrine him in there, like, but his funny stuff was really funny too, don't forget about the funny stuff, and again, to me, Bachelor Party is the peak of Tom Hanks being
0: funny and charming. It it absolutely is, it's like I say, it's, it's, he's made better films, but this will always be my favorite Tom Hanks film, bar none. Yeah. He's
1: 100% responsible for why it works. I mean, it's that's the thing. Like, you can say that about any movie, but don't leave Bachelor Party off this list. He is so good in this. And, it, again, like Michael has said and I have said, that he's the anchor. He's the, the moral center. He's the anchor. You like him. You want him to succeed. You want he and Debbie to end up together and have a family. And, you know, despite her horrible parents, they they'll probably be okay. And they even have a cute scene at their wedding where he does a little callback joke that he's going to have sex with her while using some kind of uh, mixer, stand mixer, <laughs> some kind of, remember that mixer? It's like, I, to this day, I can't figure out exactly what was going on there, but there's some kind of sex joke there, and Tom Hanks even calls it back in the final scene with uh, at the, with the altar after he says, I do. So a very sweet movie, a very raunchy and dirty and funny movie that, as we have both pointed out, could not have been made in any other era, It really could only exist right here in the early 80s when stuff was just starting to push the limits on what you could get away with in a movie. And they pushed some limits in this one.
0: Yes, they did. And we thank them for that.
1: We do. It's just, again, I cannot watch Bachelor Party without a smile on my face. It always makes me happy. And it's just one of those movies I'm glad exists. And it's even more so as I get older, just because so many people are unaware that Tom Hanks used to just be this goofball, that he wasn't always serious, Oscar-winning, dramatic actor. He was... The best, maybe the best host in Saturday Night Live history. He was so funny and goofy. He's just—he was like that in real life. He probably still is, and it's just a shame that I think people kind of forget or don't even know that there was that era of his career.
0: Yeah, it's 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 woefully underappreciated, and uh, uh, you know, not to take away from from you know the serious Tom Hanks who does prestige movies with Steven Spielberg, but you know. Give me a bachelor party and a man with one red shoe. Yeah, I mean,
1: Tom Hanks got to act with Adrian Zmed, Tawny Katane, and Max the Magical Sexual Mule. How many movies can you say that about? Very (laughs) few. Okay, before we wrap it up, I just said at the start, this is one of my all-time favorite one-liner movies, just quips, quotes, one-liners. Do you have maybe one or two that I haven't mentioned? you just have as personal favorites that maybe you remember that we skipped over in the podcast? Just a random little line that makes you laugh?
0: Not a line per se, but uh, kind of a half a, a little scene where um, uh, when when Cole shows up uh, to the hotel for the first time and offers his Porsche to Rick for Debbie, and Rick's like, what do I do? Should I take the car or should I take Debbie? And a little debate that his buddies have, you know, Debbie! The car! What kind of gas problems does it get? How fast does it go? Just that little scene there always kills me.
1: (laughs) Okay, here's one moment I like from Tom Hanks. It's really the first scene in the movie where uh, O'Neill is taking the picture of the little kid, the wonderfully deadpan little kid who never cracks a smile. And then right. when the little kid goes down, he ends up just taking a picture of the mom's boobs, which uh, classic 80s uh, comedy moment. But Tom Hanks walks in the room and sees what O'Neill's doing and is so excited. He wants to take part. And this little dance, this little shimmy that Tom Hanks oh, does. Oh, <laughs> the Tom Hanks
0: shimmy is the greatest.
1: Yeah, he's so excited. He just wiggles. He's so excited. He's, oh, i got to go take a part of this, take part of this. So just a little Tom Hanks moment there. So let's see. You got any other ones?
0: Uh I think we covered pretty much everything i mean it's it's there are just so many in this film that there it, it's too many to count. You just gotta trust us, take the dive and watch it you'll 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 thank us
1: absolutely and i will uh, end with one last one that I have and it's again it's not even a funny joke. it's just all in the delivery and the charm where uh Debbie is heading off to her bridal shower. Right before the big party, and uh, Tom Hanks says, well, you have a fun shower. And he gets this look on his face, and he's like, yeah, you soap. (laughs) (laughs) How do you sell that joke and make it work? Only Tom Hanks makes that work, and it's just through sheer charm. Yes. All right, so in conclusion... Really raunchy. I mean, I'm, I'm not. We're not kidding when we talk about this movie. Really pushes the limit of good taste. Really raunchy, yet ultimately good-hearted and sweet movie featuring two very likable leads in Tom Hanks and the surprisingly charming and capable Tani Catine, who really kind of holds her own. And it's one of those movies I just. I know a lot of our our listeners on staff picks have not seen this movie, so it's one I would just love. People would just watch and give a chance, and I bet you'll be won over by how fun Tom Hanks was. It's just one of these movies that I was i was absolutely, when I started this podcast, I'm like, this is going to be one of the first movies I talk about. Bachelor Party just needs more uh, visibility. More people know, need to know how funny he was when he was just a funny guy.
0: Exactly. I implore anybody who's listening to this to, to, you know, view it with an open mind, as we said there's a lot of stuff that takes place in this movie that probably wouldn't be countenanced in a uh, 2010 movie. But, you know, it, it's still at the end of the day, it has a sweet heart to it. Mm-hmm. If it didn't, we wouldn't like it anywhere near as much. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not a mean-spirited movie at all. It's just
1: it's a sweet movie with some questionable taste. <laughs> <laughs> okay well i want to thank you for joining me that was a lot of fun you uh <laughs> you absolutely held your own on this one you knew some quotes i'd even forgotten about i'm very impressed by your note taking on this one and again michael's been just dying to talk about this one like i said he approached me really as as a uh, confidently as anybody has so far in staff pick saying bachelor party that's my movie we got to talk about it so i'm so happy this happened and thank you very much for stopping by and helping me out
0: i appreciate it man thanks for having
1: me on Okay, and as always, again, my name is Mario Lanza. This is my show, Staff Picks. If you want to reach me, if you have any feedback, if you uh, have a movie you'd like me to talk about, you can email me at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at at Mario J. Lanza, and I have a patron page at patron.com slash Mario Lanza. And until the next time, I think that's it for now, and we will be back soon to talk about another movie that needs some more love. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye. Rick, I want to talk to you. Hey, it's Cole! Did any of you guys order an asshole from room service?